I knew because I'm adopted and I was literally left on the street. I mean, I was abandoned twice. I was left alone in an apartment with my brother. My biological mother left us alone. We ended up going to foster care. She got us back two years later and literally left us on the street and walked away. And I was four. And so I think, and then I was homeless for six weeks before in foster care before they, they found my foster mother who then adopted me. You're listening to the Unstoppable Business Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lee. So today we have Anna Brandt joined with us, and she's one of the most recognized maternity newborn photographers in the world. Her work has been featured in the New York Post, Shutter Magazine, People Magazine, and more. She has trained over 10,000 students in person and over 20,000 students online in 25 countries. Anna, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Anna, if I was a friend growing up with you, what would I say about you? Wow. You would say I was very quiet. <laughs> okay. Um, definitely more, more of an introvert. And that mm-hmm. I kind of liked being alone, I think, more. Definitely not a people person. Just kind of more into my own thing. For sure. Mm, I was not gotcha. a good, terrible mm-hmm. student. Mm-hmm. Hated school. Hated school. Hated school. Had like three close friends. One lived like mm-hmm. right next door to me, um, but had like super just close girlfriends. I'm the youngest of five, so good sized family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely more kind of the lonely loner artist type, I would say. Loner artist. I see. Okay. So was it because you didn't feel like you fit in anywhere or your head was just somewhere else? I think both, both. Yeah. I'm adopted. And so I'm um, mm-hmm. in my family, there's two of us are adopted and I'm adopted. And so I always felt kind of like a visitor, you know, I mean, I have a great family. I mean, they, they literally are responsible for who I am today. Um, mm-hmm. But I always kind of felt like I was on the outside looking in. I just was never very social, just hated needless conversation. I still do. I still, (laughs) I'm not up for the chit chat. Um, If I, even as an adult, if I go to a party, I'm not going to be the the chatty one. I'm not going to be the attention seeker. I'm going to be the quiet one. Very interesting. So you don't like small talk? I hate small talk. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, So I guess uh, at what point did you decide to go into photography? So I started doing photography as an amateur in my teens. Um, The great thing Mm -hmm. was in my family, my adoptive father is from Argentina and he's the only one in the States. All of his family is in South America. So as a child, photos were a big deal. They were always taking parents were always taking photos and they were printing them right away because it was film and they would always send them overseas. And so we Mm. always had cameras in the house and oddly enough, we didn't really hang photos on the walls in our home, but we, you could open up any drawer in our home and we would have tons of photos. Wow. Okay. My grandmother, Mm. every gathering, my grandmother would take photos. She was the kind that, Kind of like how people take photos of their meals now. That was my grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anytime we made a meal and my grandparents were over, she was she was the one taking the food photos. <laughs> and, she um, was Instagramming before Instagram <laughs> came about. <laughs> exactly. And so it was definitely a part of our life. And then I went mm-hmm. to a private boarding school and okay. it was my last three years of, of high school. So then it was taking photos of myself for my family to send back. You know, there was email at the time. There was no social media. So growing up, if you wanted to see what someone was doing at summer camp, you took photos. Mm. So, you know, every Mm. summer I went to camp and my mom would make care packages and she'd always put a disposable camera in the care packages. Like, like we never went anywhere without a camera. And um, so it just continued. And when I went to school, I actually went to school for accounting. And... Mm. Okay. My dad's an accountant. I actually mm-hmm. hated math in high school, oh. but ended up liking it in college. Don't know why. I still kind of like it. And mm-hmm. I found out there was a dark room in the college. And I was like, oh, I can develop my own film and it's cheaper, even though it's really not. You think it's cheaper, but then by the time you buy all the paper, it's really not cheaper. And I just mm. became obsessed with just taking photos. I just became obsessed with it. And so my, when I was in school, my, I'm the youngest, like I said, I'm the youngest of five. My two older brothers had kids when I was still in college because they were already graduated. They got married. And mm-hmm. so my niece, gosh, my, my first niece that I ever photographed, the first little girl I ever photographed is now married. My first nephew that I ever photographed, he's a, he's a cop now. And um, when they were born, that's kind of when everything changed because I saw the relationship between my grandfather who lived till he was 97. So I saw my grandfather, my dad, my brother, and my nephew. So it was four generations that as an Mm -hmm. adopted child, I had never seen because I don't have any photos of myself or of my biological family. Right. And I'll, I'll never forget seeing my nephew just sitting there at six months of age and just being, just clicking away, just fascinating. My, my sister-in-law was so happy because she said I documented like, you know, my nephews, their first two nephews, I documented every second I could. I just was obsessed. And I was an amateur wow. 10 years before I went pro. Yeah, it was just mm-hmm. an obsessive. I never planned on going pro. If you would have told my 20-year-old self, my 25-year-old self, if you would have told me I would have been a professional photographer, there's no way I would have believed you because that wasn't Mm. my goal. I was just obsessed with taking photos. Right. Your goal at the time was being trying to be an accountant, right? No, I didn't even really want to be an accountant. I went to school for accounting, Mm. and then I ended up, I worked in an investment firm in New York City called Offit Mm -hmm. Bank, and I would work. Um, at an investment firm by day, by night, I would go to school. On the weekends, I was in a dark room. And then I ended mm. up working for a consulting company and left the accounting world and entered the tech world. And I had a boss who asked me if I wanted to build an intranet, if I wanted to be on a part of a special projects team to build an intranet. I didn't even know what an intranet was. And I was like, okay. sure. And she partnered me with this guy, Randy, who he was going to do the server side, I was going to do the front side. We both mm-hmm. were 23. We took tons of classes. We lived in Barnes and Nobles. We bought every book there was. We became Microsoft certified engineers. And I wow. began a web designer. Because mm-hmm. I was doing photography, I built my website at 23 years of age just hand coding. So wow. I had a portfolio yeah. of my nieces and nephews 
in the like day one because I just had to learn how to build intranets are internal websites to companies. So I had to learn how to build that. So I would build intranets, then build intranets. Ended up mm. building my own little web company that I sold like six years later. Um, so then mm -hmm. I would, I've always been a worker bee. So I would take classes for web, take classes for photography, be in the darkroom. When I wasn't doing that, I was coding websites. When I wasn't doing that, I was working as a consultant. And I did this crazy life working like seven days a week till I was 29. I'd worked for 10 years, put myself through school, got an apartment, got a car, just busy. Mm -hmm. And at 29, I was married. I was engaged, came to California. We got married. And I ended up transitioning to California as a web project manager. And I ended up quitting my day job. Just one day, we were having a meeting with my boss. And I just said, I just need a break. I just, I need to be done. And I mm. just quit. He was like, why are you quitting? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, it's been 10 years and I just feel like I needed a break. And I moved to California, yeah. really married. My husband traveled a lot, didn't have any mm -hmm. kids. And I just quit my job and turned pro like immediately. Did not know what I was doing. Really? Okay. And did you yeah. encounter any sort of imposter syndrome at the time? Or were you like, I got this? I still feel like that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes i'll go to teach at a conference i remember teaching at shutterfest like a couple years ago i'd flown in from teaching in vienna and arrived at mm -hmm. shutterfest with like top photographers in the world and i just felt like wait why am i here i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> that was like three years ago <laughs> i see wow yeah i felt like i wouldn't <laughs> say it was imposter syndrome at the time i think okay. that you know, I was 29. I was excited to live in California. I lived in the East Coast my whole life. I was excited to just explore. I didn't have any financial pressure. I didn't have any kids that I had to worry about. And mm. it was just a time, and I tell my kids now, your 20s can be such an amazing time to just do whatever you want to do, you know? And mm -hmm. it was it was such a great time in my life that I didn't have to do anything I didn't want to do, you know? And so mm -hmm. I would take my camera. I didn't have any friends. I mean, I in New York, everything I knew, my friends, my family, I knew one person, my husband. That was it. I didn't know mm -hmm. anybody. I had a new name because now I'm married. So mm -hmm. it was like like looking at someone else's life because I didn't even know how to pump gas because in New York, they pump your oh. gas. Yeah. So I wow. was always getting lost. I, mm -hmm. I remember I almost went to Mexico because I just got on the highway and kept driving. And my husband called me. He's like, where are you? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. There's like a border up ahead. And so you know, the first year I was here, it was literally just me and my camera because he traveled. So I'd go mm. to the beach by myself. I would take pictures. I joined PPA. I joined a photography club. I would sit in photography meetings. There was a woman's photography um, group called Chicks Who Click. And I would just go each month. I'd sit in the back of the room and I would just listen to everybody. I didn't have any, I didn't really have that many inhibitions because no one knew me. I was mm. terrified of the pro world because I felt like I didn't know anything. So I attended WPPI and I attended imaging and I subscribed mm -hmm. to every photography magazine I could. I bought every book that I could. And I, I just kind of absorbed and started studying 
And every photo shoot, I was scared out of my mind, but no one really knew me and there wasn't Facebook, so no one could talk about me. Right. And I just was able to kind of build this life without anyone's expectations. Like my family didn't know, like they knew I quit my job and they knew I loved photography, but nobody was standing there expecting anything from me. And this is what I tell people all the time in my talks. I say, the best position you can be um, is when no one expects anything of you. And mm -hmm. people take mm -hmm. that the wrong way. They'll get upset. They'll go, when I'm training people, they'll go, oh, I'm just so disappointed because my family doesn't think I'm a good photographer and they don't think I'm going to make any money or, or no, one's, mm. no one's taking me seriously. And they'll just go on and on and on. And I'm like, great, perfect. And people go, wait, why, why? I go, that's the best time to work. When, when I was a D student in school, nobody expected anything of me. I was mm. the wreck of the litter, the adopted mm -hmm. one. I'm, I'm a Puerto Rican girl from New York, adopted into a mixed family. I was not the one that anyone expected anything of me. Mm. No one was sitting there going, oh, she's a straight A student, magna cum laude, she's this, she's that, she's going to be amazing. No, I was the complete opposite. I, my mom and I laugh about it all the time. I was the one getting in trouble. I was the one grounded. I was the one uh -huh. sneaking out. I was the one breaking curfew. I was the one always in trouble. And I was just talking with my mom who celebrated 50, her 55th wedding anniversary. And we were laughing. Yeah. I have teenagers now. And she's like, imagine if one of your teenagers climbed out the window. And I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, I can't imagine. She's like, you did that. <laughs> I was like, I did. She's like, you put a ladder up and you climbed out your window. Oh, and Jesus. Like, yeah. yeah. She's like, could you imagine if your daughter did that? I was like, no, no. How did I survive? And so I, I think for me, even now, sometimes I feel like people, if they don't know me, they don't expect anything of me. You know, they, mm. I'm a Hispanic girl and, and sometimes yeah. I'll show up and I've always looked younger than people think. And people, I'll get a new client and they'll be like, so do you have kids? And I just kind of laugh. I was like, do you not know anything about me? And they'll be like, no, like you were referred by a friend, you know. And I mm -hmm. love, I love when those clients come in. The clients that come in and go, oh, my, my best friend told me about you or my mother bought me a gift certificate. I'm not on social that much. I don't really know anything about you, but I heard you're good. That's my best mm -hmm. client mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's no expectation. And I thrive in that environment. And so when they ask mm -hmm. me if I have kids, I'll just kind of laugh and, and I'll say, yeah, I have three. And they'll go, oh, how old? You know, expecting me to say like they're two and I'll be like, they're 15, 17, and 19. And they're like, oh, <laughs> wait, how long have you been doing this? I'm like 20 years. And they're like, wait, what? And I, and I love it because I don't have to worry about fulfilling someone's expectations of me. If, mm -hmm. if they come in and they go, oh, I heard you're this like the most famous newborn photographer in the world and you did Kobe Bryant's newborn photos and I've seen you on YouTube and you've got a zillion followers. Then I'm like, oh, there goes the session. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the baby's really? going to start crying. Oh, yeah. Uh so much so if you ask my staff they'll yeah. tell you don't say anything don't tell yeah. her you're a fan don't tell her you love her it's just best to walk in and say nothing because uh, i will blow the entire session for sure wow will, i'll drop my camera i'll put the wrong exposure i'll get nervous um i will completely mess up for sure mm. i see wow and I mean, why do you think that is? Why do you, where do you think that mindset came about?
And when did you start developing that? I think it's because for so long, I knew that I was considered least likely to succeed. Mm. Not that my mm-hmm. parents ever said that. I have fantastic parents. My mother has a master's in psychology and a master's in divinity. My dad was a self-employed accountant who came from South America, you know, and ended up becoming a U.S. citizen. My parents have been self-employed my whole life. They're fantastic people. Mm-hmm. And, and they always um, were positive, very spiritual, very religious. My grandfather always told me I was so smart, even though I was being grounded a very positive environment, but I knew because I'm adopted and I was literally left on the street. I mean, I was abandoned twice. I was left alone in an apartment with my brother. My biological mother left us alone. We ended up going mm. to foster care. She got us back two years later and literally left us on the street and walked away. And wow. I was four. Mm-hmm. And so I think, and then I was homeless for six weeks before in foster care before they, they found my foster mother who then adopted me. And so I think, you know, at four and five and six and seven, you, you understand that you kind of understand who you are in people's lives and whether there's a value to your life. And, you know, that's where a lot of nurturing is so important. Four, five, six, seven, mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, around four is really when you see a child start developing their talents. And so I was just kind of this child that was in the shuffled in the foster care system and back and forth. And so I just kind of was in my own little world. I think I learned early on, I need to just survive, okay. not expect anything of anybody. And, and mm-hmm. no one's expecting anything of me. They didn't even know if I spoke Spanish or English because I was, I was so quiet, I wouldn't speak. And so they're not expecting anything of me. I'm going to be the quiet one. And I'm just going to you know, show up at the dinner table and just, just see what happens. And so I think when I was developing my photography A lot of it was to capture my own visual history because I didn't have any photo albums of my childhood and I had no photos. And so it was Mm -hmm. kind of documenting my own life. Mm -hmm. And then I'm a hard worker. So it's just doing the work. It's doing the work when no one's expecting you to do the work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I put myself through school and got my own apartment and, you know, my parents helped me get my first car and then I was kind of on my own. And so, you know, they've always supported me, but my parents aren't the type, they don't call you every day to see if you're okay. They're like, you're a big girl, you can do this. And so I remember living in New York City being terrified, mm-hmm. but my parents knew I was living in New York City and they didn't check up on me every single day. Like I think I would with my kids to see if I was still alive. And so I was mm-hmm. like, okay. I, I guess I, I got this. I got this. I mean, I think I got this. And so I think my whole life has been me just going, and I, this is what I train people all the time. I say, just do the work, like do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, if you mm-hmm. get, if you, if you enter a contest and, and you win or you score great, but, but it's about doing the work. And when I decided to build my business, it wasn't looking for social media likes because social media didn't exist. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't even, I didn't even look at my analytics for YouTube till I had a million, million views. It was, I just need to do the work and do the best I can and learn as much as I can. And that's just kind of what I feel I've done for 20 years. And I still feel like I haven't even done my best work. Mm, that's good advice. So when you went pro and, uh, What were some big failures that you sort of had to face on your journey? So many. (laughs) Yeah. Not having a backup camera. That was, that was a big one. 
always have a backup, always have a backup, everything, a backup plan, a backup camera, gas in your tank, extra memory cards. I would have to write things down because I would get so nervous and I would show up and I wouldn't have an extra camera battery. My camera would die. And I'd be like, oh, okay, that's a wrap. That was a great session <laughs> because I was out of battery. Or, uh. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't tell you how many mistakes I've made. And I'm one of those people when you know better, you do better. I huge philosophy on that. I try not to beat myself too much. I'll, I'll just be like, oh, wow, that was like a huge mistake. Okay, so next time... Let me put the battery charger in and let me leave it. Even when I started traveling, I can't tell you how many battery chargers, camera chargers, phone chargers I've left behind in hotels. Um, so I think, I think the biggest thing in the beginning was because I was by myself, I didn't have an assistant, I didn't have a staff, was just trying to remember everything. So I would, I would almost prepare like I was gonna take a test the next day. So I would write down the night before if I had to shoot the next day, I'd just write it down. What do you need? You need a reflector. You need a second camera battery. How many memory cards do you have? Did you charge your battery? Where is your camera? You know, where just, and I would just get in the habit of the night before laying everything out and then writing everything down. And then I'd wake mm -hmm. up in the middle of the night and I'd have a notebook by my bed and I would write down if I forgot something like, oh, I forgot the flash. Oh, I forgot the flash batteries. Oh, I forgot the backup flash. So just continually writing things down. And then if I did something wrong in a session, I would immediately self-evaluate afterwards. I would sometimes just sit in my car and be like, okay, what did I do wrong? Okay, I should have did this, this, and this. And I'd kind of write notes so that the next time I wouldn't do that. And I've had failures after failures after failures. I can't even tell you. You name the mistake, I've made it. I mean, wow. even five years ago, five years ago, ran to go to a, a beach shoot and I said, oh, I don't need an assistant. I don't need any help. I got this. It's just a family. And I, I told my staff, you know, I'm just going to run down to the beach, do this family shoot. I'm all good. I get to the beach and I don't have a camera. <laughs> oh, man. No way. <laughs> no camera. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have no camera. So I call an assistant. My studio is a half an hour away from the beach. It's an hour and a half before sunset. So I'm like, how fast can you get here? And he's like, Anna, it's a half an hour to the beach, okay? So I was like, okay. There was a photography studio that I just passed the other day and he's not there anymore and I'm so sad. There was a photography studio at the top of the hill where I parked that I always would park in front of this photography studio. So I told the client, oh my, and of course it's a brand new client. So I look like an idiot. Like, yes, I've been a photographer for 15 years, but I forgot my camera. So I tell him, just, well, I'm going to run up and literally knock on this photography studio's door in Laguna Beach, uh, PCH and Diamond Street, I think it is. He, he literally closed down during COVID and he hasn't opened back up. And I knock on the door, maybe like a 60-year-old man. I'm Canon. Of course, he's Nikon. And I knock on the door and I'm like, I'm like practically crying. I'm like, I, I don't know you, you don't know me, but I swear I'm an established photographer and I forgot my camera and I'm just like babbling. And he's just looking at me, he's like, no, wow. I don't rent out my cameras. I don't rent out my cameras, no. He uh -huh. said no to me for like 10 minutes. I'm like pretty much in tears. I'm like, you can have my keys to my car, my license, my wallet. I'll, I'll leave anything I have. I can I please just borrow a camera. 
He hands me, I think he said no 50 times and he knew he wasn't going to get rid of me. I said, I have an assistant bringing a camera. I'll send my assistant back. Here's my website. Google my name. Just ask anybody. Google Anna Brand. I swear I'm legit. I, he never Googled me. He didn't really care. And so he handed me a Nikon camera that was manual everything. This is only five years ago. Okay. I, yeah. Looking through someone else's camera is like trying to put someone else's eyeglasses on, you know? Definitely. You try to adjust the diopter and I've got this manual lens and it's Nikon. I've never shot Nikon in my life. I don't know where any of the buttons are. And I'm like, how does this camera even work? He's like, you're a photographer, figure it out. <laughs> he was not helping me at all. Gave me a memory card and I, I was terrified. I overshot. I probably shot a thousand photos that day. Wow. My assistant came, we gave the camera back. It, it was a successful shoot. But I think the, the moral of the story is, you know, number one, be prepared. Uh, number two, have a backup. And number three, recognize you're human. I'm going to make mistakes for the rest of my life. Just because you're pro doesn't mean you make mistakes. I think the only difference is you have to own up to it because you're getting paid. So you better own up to it because if you make a mistake and you're getting paid, that client's really going to be unhappy. So I'm one of those people, if, if the client's like, I'm not happy with this photo, I'm not happy with this book, I'm not happy. Okay, let's fix it. Let's talk about how I can make you happy. Cause I didn't say I'm perfect. I just said I'm a pro. Mm, gotcha. And, uh, that's, <laughs> that's a pretty crazy story. <laughs> but, uh, um, when you were going into this, when you went pro, what was your goal at the time? And do you think you hit that goal? Yeah, I can tell you, I can tell you yes and yes. I know exactly mm -hmm. when I figured out the goal. I didn't even know my goal. My goal was originally when I started and I went pro and I just said, I just want to get paid for a shoot because I've been shooting as an amateur for 10 years and not getting paid. Aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces, I never asked for a dime. So I remember when I built my website, I put my prices up, regular prices, which is I, such a problem I have with people when they... They, they go pro, they'll be like, I'm going to be free for like the first 500 photo shoots. No, you can still do free shoots, but I put real prices on my website because that way if somebody randomly found me, they're going to pay me. So at first it was like just trying to get through the shoot, just trying to get paid. And then I'll never forget uh, this, this female photography group that I would join. My work at the time was very indicative of the time. It was very low-key black and white work. I loved Ansel Adams. I loved Ann Geddes' early work. Maternity was more nude. Babies were naked. It was just very classic black and white. And there was another photographer. I'll never forget her name because she's not a photographer anymore. Her name was Gray Behan. She was known as the Orange County maternity and newborn photographer. She mm. had a studio in Newport Beach. Mm -hmm right off of 17th street, fabulous location. Everybody knew who she was. Well, it was like portfolio day and everybody said, bring in your portfolio. In my portfolio, if you put it next to Gray's was almost identical. And I had never met her in my life, but wow. it was classic mm -hmm. black and white, naked pregnant women, naked newborns. When they saw my portfolio, they're like, oh my gosh, you should meet Gray. You guys, your work is like sisters. You two have to meet. She was very nice. We met. She invited me for lunch, showed me her studio, suggested we moved in together. We did very briefly, moved in and out. It was, it was mutual, but we, it was just one of those things, bad timing. But I'll never forget the day we sat down for lunch. 
Now, I was pregnant with my daughter, Olivia, who's now 17. So I had been mm -hmm. here a couple of years. I'm pregnant with my second child. Gray doesn't know it. I didn't tell her I was pregnant. I wasn't showing yet. And she goes, she was a single mom of two kids. And she said, what do you, what do you want, Anna? You know, what is your plans? What are your goals? And I'm just kind of being quiet. And she said, you know what I want? I want when anyone thinks of maternity and newborn photography in Orange County or California, I want them to know my name. Hmm. And mm -hmm. when she said that, I was thinking that's exactly what I want. Wow. I will yeah. never forget that day, 17 years ago. And that was just kind of it. I had a new name. I mean, still, I'd only been married a couple of years. Now I have kids. Now I've met some friends, but people didn't really know my name. I mean, Anna Brent meant nothing. It didn't mean even that much to me. And I thought, wow, wow, what a powerful thing that is. She just said, I just want them to think of me. She didn't even say they have to hire me. She didn't even say I need to make this amount of money and this, you know, there wasn't a dollar amount. It was, I want them to know my name. And I thought, wow, that is so powerful. And I didn't tell her, I just listened to her. And in my mind, I thought that's exactly what I want. And I'm pretty sure I've achieved that definitely in California. And now people yeah. all over the world know me. And I didn't mm -hmm. seek out to make a certain dollar amount. I didn't seek out for people internationally to know me. That was a big surprise. But I knew that, you know, I tell people all the time, marketing is about who you are. It's not about how good you are. So a lot of people hesitate to market when they start out because they say, oh, I'm not good enough, or my website's not good enough, or my logo's not good enough, or, or they, they come up with 5,000 reasons why they're not supposed to market. And I say, well, marketing isn't about how good you are. It's about who you are. So you have to spend the rest of your life letting the world know who you are and who you are is your name and your brand. And, and the only person that can really do that effectively is you. You can hire other people to do that, but it's still going to come back to you, which means you've got to do the work. And so that's what I've been doing. I've just been trying to do the work. Amazing. Wow. Anna, was there a price that you had to pay for your success? Cause you have enormous success. Um, but was there relationships that were sort of lost? Was there time, money, something else? I have definitely lost relationships along the way. Um, I've never been a very social person. So I'm a very, um, I'm always very private and I've always only had a couple of very close friends. So I'm, I'm not a social person at all. There have been times along my growth where people wanted to befriend me, wanted to get closer to me. And I always kind of keep people at an arm's distance. And there are, there's only a handful of times that's happened on a client level, on a photography friendship level, on a business relationship level, where people wanted to get closer to me than I wanted. And I would allow them and it would backfire. And mm -hmm. so I still... I keep my distance. I'm very private. I am very careful who I friend. I don't talk much to people. I'm not social at all. I'm very much introverted. 
if I, if I go on a trip and come home, I, I won't even really discuss the trip. I'm very, just very quiet and personal. And I remember I, I, I never liked to cross that line with my clients. I always wanted, you know, I grew up with professional parents, keep, keep things professional. And so I, I have a lot of clients, especially being in maternity and newborn that we've just clicked and bonded and they want to be friends with me, but I never wanted to cross that line. And there was only been like two times in client situations where I said, okay, and accepted like a dinner invitation. And then it turned into, you know, the husband's talking and us kind of becoming friends. And then something would happen. I, I had a client who had a baby loss and we had kind of become friends and she didn't handle the baby loss well. And, and then I had a baby and she was kind of jealous that I had a baby. She ended up having a baby fine, you know, again, and it was a happy story, but she just pulled away and it just, I don't even really know what happened. And it's really odd that you asked that question because her son is in my daughter's class. Wow. And uh, yeah, last year they were going to prom and she mentioned his name and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And she's like, what? And I was like, well, his mom and I used to be friends and I don't even, I said, this is like 16 years ago. I don't even remember That's what crazy. happened. Yeah. She literally mm -hmm. stopped talking to me and I had to reach out to this person because I was like, hey, my daughter wants me to, I don't do really prom photos, but my daughter's like, mom, please bring your camera. You know, these parents don't know how to take photos and they know you're a photographer and oh, I'm like, I hate being that. I'm like, can I just be the mom? My daughter's like, no. <laughs> so I had to reach out to this person going, hey, I don't even remember what happened 16 years ago, but you know, I hope, I hope we don't have any bad, bad blood because I'm going to be there and your son looks like he's doing great and I know you've had another daughter. And, and she said she was in a really dark place in her life at that time and she was grieving and she doesn't even really remember what happened, but she was suffering health wise and it was just bad. And so she pulled away and, you know, we let bygones be bygones, but I remember, I remember there's, there's been like just a couple, it was one other time where I felt like a client wanted to pull me into being a friendship and let's have dinner and let's talk and try to keep my distance. And then, you know, the, the client, the client's husband cheated on her. And then she felt like she wanted, you know, to, I said, do you need anything? And she's like, will you take me to church? And I was like, Oh no, I don't think that's a good idea. You know what I mean? It's like, you're just kind of, it's like you're crossing the line because it's so hard in the, especially in maternity and newborn, because it's very personal and intimate and you get so close with the right. clients. But then what happens is you start becoming friends and you go to dinner and you go to church and then, then the next photo session comes up and then do you charge them? Do they expect to pay? You know what I mean? That's what it's like. Mm -hmm. So I always, it's so hard. So I just, I always just told myself, it was literally, like I said, it's just a handful of times or, or people I've met in the industry that people have a vision of, of somebody when, when you're in the public, because I speak all over the world people will think they know me, but they don't know me. And that's, I'm sure for real celebrities, that's a huge problem because you, you know, you listen to a singer and you hear their song and you're convinced, you know, Lady Gaga, right? And so it's right. like, you just want to go out to dinner with her, but Lady Gaga's probably like, no, you don't know me and I don't want to know you, you know? And I'm not obviously that level of fame at all, but I think when people see you, I'm on YouTube. And so 
my students will go, gosh, I feel like I know you. I've, I've been trained by you and I've seen your videos and now you're speaking and I've heard the stories of your kids and I feel like I know you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's fabulous. And, and I may mentor them and help them, but, but you've got to kind of keep, there's got to be a fine line there because you can't, it's just physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally impossible to get connected with every single person. I'm sure Oprah has a huge problem with this because right. you know, if I met Oprah, I'd be like, Oprah, I love you. I'll move in with you. And Oprah would be like, no. You know? And so I, I think that's anything when you have an intimate relationship or you have a job, you want people to connect with you and you want to connect with them. But, but you've got to say, you've got to just keep kind of the distance and people can think, Oh, she's maybe arrogant or maybe she's conceited or maybe she's, you can tend to think that of somebody, but it's not that I'm, I'm not at all. I'm actually very humble. It's just, I'm much more introverted and shy than people think. But if you hear me speak and you hear me listening on this podcast, people that don't know me are convinced I'm an extrovert convinced. And then if you ask my kids, they'll be like, Oh no, Mom doesn't talk at all. She's a total introvert. She won't say anything. She's the quietest one in the house of a family of five. If we go to a party, mom, my mom's not going to say anything. You can ask anyone in my family. They'd be like, nope, she's not going to say a word. My husband's a uh, total extrovert. He's the talker. Mm -hmm. Me, not at all. And so I think it's just a challenge. I tell photographers, if you are an extrovert and you are the life of the party and you're one of those people that connect with people and have friends and exchange numbers and have dinner and cocktails, fantastic. Some amazing relationships can be born. I think for me personally, just because of my upbringing, I'm just a little bit more guarded and a little bit more personal. And it takes a lot of energy for me to invest in a personal relationship with somebody and that I worry of hurting them. So I would rather just kind of do my work, be kind, be courteous, but kind of keep my distance. Mm, gotcha. And I think that is good advice, you know, for people who want to, you know, uh, be a pro. And you, you mentioned that that part where, you know, are they a client or are they a friend? Are you going to charge? Or are you not going to charge? So that does get kind of confusing with the blurred, like a, some blurred lines there. Um, Anna, do you have anything else you want to share to people out there listening? I think that what I tell people all the time is that this is a journey. This is a, this is a journey that for me, every, every business you're in is a journey. Whether you're an artist or a musician or a photographer, whatever you're doing, painting houses, building houses, and it's a lifetime of work. Anyone that either works for somebody else or works for themselves it's a lifetime of work. And so many people are impatient. They become a photographer and they want to automatically be award-winning and they want everyone to know who they are and they want to make a lot of money and they want to reach success. And they have, they have all these, this list of things that they want. And I say, patience, be patient. It's, it's a journey. It's like when you see that Oscar winner winning, you know, the Academy Award and, and they say, wow, I, I didn't even know you were an amazing actor. And the actor is going, this is 40 years of my life. I've been acting since I was a child and I'm, right. I'm just now getting the award. And, and right. I think the arts, it's a little more personal because it's like our blood, sweat and tears. And so 
we take rejection hard. If someone doesn't like our work, it hurts us personally. And it's emotional. We're invested in it. And, you know, my advice to any entrepreneur or, or anyone trying to build a business or a career or a life or wanting success of any kind is two things. Number one, the level of measure of success is so different. Only you can truly define what success means to you. And it's going to vary. Sometimes success is sleeping eight hours a night. If you have a toddler, sometimes it's getting them to sleep through the night. Sometimes success is sticking to a diet or just remembering your camera. Like there's little bouts of success that we have throughout the day. And when you're defining success, come up with something that that is your definition, not somebody else's definition of what they think success should be to you. Success mm, may be... That. Yeah, getting paid $5 for a photo shoot versus nothing or getting a tip. You know, I was a waitress in college. You know, success is getting a tip. You can go home night and not get a tip. So I think that that don't be afraid to create your own rules for success and you give yourself permission to change your definition of success because I think as you mature, your goals and dreams change, especially when you start bringing children to the world. And then the last thing is, be patient in the process. We all know nothing was built overnight. And I'm a completely different person than I was at 19, at 25, at 29, as a mother, as a not a mother. And as I evolve as a person, my work will evolve. And that's why I say I think my best work is still to come because I still feel like I have a lot to learn. I still feel like I don't like my work most of the day. Um, and I think just every day we try to be just a little bit better than yesterday. If you didn't have time to take notes for this episode, get your full text summary notes and links along with all of the top tips from this episode at unstoppablebusiness.com slash podcast.